Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If it were not for the, the, the grace of God, the love of God, the word of God in Jesus Christ, that woman would have no, no reason to know me, and I would have no reason to know that beautiful, sweet little white lady. <laughs> right? But because of Christ. I mean, I look at my, I'm going to embarrass her now, I look at my, my secretary. My, my secretary wears leather. She's a biker girl. Why would I know her? I'm from Philly. I had never even been on a bike. My one, I tell pastors all the time, my only secretary, I've had a secretary for 16 years, and she's been my only secretary for 16 years. Why would I know her if it wasn't for the grace of God and the word of God and the love of God and the one new man? Why? Why? There's nothing there. There's nothing. In, but see, God's word does all that. Are y'all getting, you get me? God's word does all that. And all of that disappears in light of the, the, the peace that we have with God and the peace that we experience from God. All of that disappears. We become one new man, one new breed. We're one with God, one with each other, like it or not. And just like your natural family, you can't pick your spiritual family. Amen. Y'all know. Everybody has that Uncle Harry that you just don't take out and introduce. Just like, who's he? Oh, he didn't get out much. Everybody, you can't pick your spiritual family. God does all that. He does all that by his word. So we have this positional peace that we stand righteous in God, peace with God, and then we have an experiential peace. Are y'all getting this? An experiential peace, a peace of God. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about an experiential peace that affects the circumstances of life. This peace is supernatural and permanent and positive and tranquil. Someone once said, This peace is the smile of God reflected in the soul of his child. This is the heart's calm after Calvary's storm. I like that. It's the peace that says, my God shall supply all my needs. It's a peace that says, whatever my circumstances, God will provide. It's a peace that allows there to be a quiet confidence in the midst of a storm. It's a peace beyond circumstances and reason. It's a peace that surpasses understanding because it doesn't seem reasonable that such a peace could exist in the midst of problems and troubles. It's a divine supernatural peace. It's a peace that can't be figured out on a human level. When I came here to North Carolina, People thought we were crazy. We left California. We're just going to a place we've never been before. 
God told us to come here. And I were driving 3,000 miles. And I never once, never once really felt um, that I was doing the wrong thing or what if, it never occurred to me. What if this doesn't work? What if you're doing the wrong thing? What if this, that, and the other? It never did. I had a peace that surpassed understanding. Even my mom thought I had a screw loose. My mother was like, Rodney, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, mom, this, this is the Lord. This is what God had told me. So even in that case, I, you know, I never really had uh, a question. It was a supernatural peace that people often don't understand. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Matter of fact, let me have that verse back again, if you will. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. This peace surpasses understanding. Look at it, look at it. Which surpasses all understanding. Will will what? Y'all come on, read it with me. Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That is deep. Now think about this. Paul is writing this letter, Philippians, from prison. Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon are known as the prison epistles. And the reason they're known as prison epistles is because Paul was writing them while he was incarcerated in Rome. So Paul, get this in your mind's eye, is sitting in a prison in Philippi, and he's probably looking through the bars, and there's a guard standing there. And this guard is wearing the whole armor of God, VVS people. He's wearing the whole armor of God. Paul looks at the Roman guard who's guarding him, and he makes a sermon out of his armor. He starts drawing illustrations out of the, out of the, the guard's armor. He looks at the helmet, and he says, oh, that helmet, oh, that helmet can represent the helmet of salvation. We better know that we're saved. And, and the breastplate of righteousness, we need to walk in truth and righteousness. And, 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 and we need to have our loins girded about with truth, the truth of God's word. And we need to have our sandals of the gospel of peace on, on, on our feet. And, and, and take the shield of faith, which will guard your heart from the fiery darts of the enemy. This word guard, write it down. It's a really important word. It's a military word. And it means to stand post. To guard against or to stand post against the aggression of the enemy. Are you listening? Jesus says, the peace that I leave you is going to stand post over your heart. It's going to prevent worry from corroding your heart. It's going to stand guard over your mind and stand guard over your life. When you become a Christian, you have entered a citadel. Huh? Did y'all get that? When you become a Christian, you've entered a citadel. It's Jesus. And the guard is peace. I think of a mighty fortress is our God. You know who wrote that song? Martin Luther. Martin Luther wrote, a mighty fortress is our God. That song has been called the greatest hymn of the greatest man of the greatest period of German history and the battle hymn of the Reformation. A mighty fortress is our God. When you become a Christian, you enter a fortress, you enter a citadel, and God, the peace of God, will guard your heart. We got to move forward. The nature of peace, point number two, the source of peace. Jesus said, my peace, look at verse 27, my peace I give to you. The source of peace is Jesus, saints. 
Jesus gives us his peace. Can somebody say amen? God is the author of peace. That means all real peace comes from God. There's no peace that God didn't author. God alone brings peace. I don't think there's an argument. The world is looking for peace and tranquility, aren't they? Isn't that true? The world is looking for peace and tranquility. Have you noticed how many day spas have popped up? Have you noticed there's a day spa? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe my eye is catching them or what is this? My eye catching There's day spas everywhere. They're popping up everywhere. I mean, it's like day spa next, right next to the chicken and waffle place. I mean, that's kind of odd, isn't it? A little. I don't imagine myself relaxing as I'm smelling fried chicken. I don't get it. But whatever works. But there's day spas popping. Oh, why? Because people are looking for peace and people are looking for tranquility. Jesus said, my peace, the peace that is being given belongs to Jesus. It's his own personal peace. It's the same peace that hushed the sea to sleep. It's the same peace that quieted his heart as they mocked him and spit on him on the cross. Are you listening? is a very personal peace of Jesus himself that he is giving to his disciples. This peace has been tried and tested and seen among friends and enemies. As you study the life of Jesus, you can see when Jesus came to trials and tribulations and situations and circumstances, his peace remained unfazed. His peace remained unruffled. Jesus had a calmness about him. Don't you get that when you read the Bible? He had a calmness about him. It was unnatural, unhuman, supernatural calm about him. In the midst of unbelievable problems, Jesus was calm and peaceful and quiet and relaxed. The disciples could see it. His enemies could see it. And it probably drove them crazy. I think of John chapter 19. And Jesus, you know, is standing there before Pilate and he's just cool as a cucumber. And Pilate is upset and agitated. And Jesus is standing there in perfect peace. Pilate is angry, annoyed, and irritated. And he said to Jesus, don't you know what I can do to you? And in perfect peace, Jesus says, you can't do anything unless my father allows it. It was all perfect peace, perfect peace, perfect peace. I think the only time that Jesus didn't have perfect peace was probably in the Garden of Gethsemane. Probably in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because his hour had come, you know, his death was right around the corner. He's praying and he began to sweat great drops of blood. He's stressed because he knew the time was coming when he'd, need, he'd go to the cross. And he knew that time was coming when he would be peaceless. He knew the time was coming where he wouldn't have peace. He knew that time was coming that he would be separated from God. And, 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 and every other time in his life, he lived in perfect peace. And calm, he said, my peace I give to you. The nature of peace, the source of peace. Number three, the contrast of peace. Look at verse 27, will you? Not as the world gives, give I to you. I don't know about you, but I don't want the world's peace. I don't want the world's peace. As a matter of fact, listen, I don't think the world is, look at me, look at me. I don't think the world is offering peace right now. I think the world, on the contrary, is offering fear. I think the world is offering fear, causing people to be fearful. Have you noticed how many drugs are on the market nowadays? 
There's drugs for this and drugs for that. And if you got this wrong, you drugs for that. And if you got that wrong, and take this drug and get this wrong, take that drug. And just in case you think you might get this wrong, then take that drug so you don't get that wrong. I think. You know, it's like, let's take a drug so you don't get it. And so it's causing the world to be fearful or all the security monitoring systems nowadays. You can monitor your house from anywhere you be. You can monitor your house from your tablet. You can monitor your house from your, from your iPhone. You can monitor your house from your uh, computer at home. But if you're at home, then why would you need to monitor your house from at home? Well, well, whatever. You know what I'm saying. You can monitor your house. And it's, you know, or, or, or I, I, was, I was looking at this thing the other day, and they're selling, like, you can uh, buy, like, a stuffed animal and, like, put, like, a camera in the stuffed animal and put it in a, you know, unnoticeable place or, you know, you know place where, you know, the, the babysitter won't notice so you can monitor, go get a babysitter and monitor the babysitter when you go out to eat with, you know, you can monitor the babysitter. I'm like, is that not the craziest thing you have ever heard? You get a camera to monitor the babysitter who is supposed to be taking care of the baby. Why not just get a babysitter that you trust and forget about the camera? But the world is causing people to live in fear. The world is offering you fear. The world doesn't want peace because the world can't even spell peace. Did you know? Listen, it's estimated that over the last 4,000 years, get this, there have been less than 300 years without a major war. Did y'all hear that? Over the last 4,000 years, there have been less than 300 years without a major war. In the last 20 years, there have been at least 54 wars on the planet. Some of them have been kind of skirmishes, and some of those wars killed millions. I was doing some reading yesterday about the Second Congo War, Democratic Republic of Congo. That war lasted from 1998 to 2003. And that war killed like 5,000, 5 million, pardon me, 5 million people. Wars. And the Bible says, by the way, y'all, that in the last days, listen, that there will be wars and rumors of wars. And that will be a sign that Jesus is coming. That will be a sign. Like when you see the clouds coming, you know that's a sign that it is going to rain. Thus, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, like we're hearing in the last 20 years, 54 wars and millions and millions and millions of people are dying. Jesus is coming soon. Somebody clap your hands if you know what I'm talking about. Everybody wants peace, but we can't seem to find it. Somebody once said, peace is that brief, glorious moment in history when everybody stops to reload. Isn't that true? You'll get that on the way home, all right? Everybody wants peace. Whether you're a national leader sitting across the table from another national leader or you're a stay-at-home mom with the kids, everybody wants peace. I'm praying for you. Everybody wants peace. For some, they want peace in the home. Hmm. Houses are destroyed and torn apart, no peace. No communication, no love, no care, no concern. Divorce, breakup of family. 
There's no peace in the heart, no peace in the home, no peace in the school, no peace at the job, no peace in the country, no peace in the world. Man and the world does not offer you any peace at all. And listen, saints, any peace the world does offer is escape from reality. It's a piece of a pill or the piece in a bottle or the piece of a white line of powder or the piece of putting blinders on uh, to just ignore it. People look for peace and escape. People look for peace and evasion. People look for peace and compromise. But listen, they'll only find peace, and you will only find peace in righteousness. Psalm 8510, write it down. Mercy and truth meet together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. I love that verse. Psalm 8510. Mercy and truth meet together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Righteousness is the only true path to peace. Man will never find peace because, listen, they have a theological problem. Man has a theological problem. You, you don't lack peace because uh, of an emotional problem. You don't lack peace because of a circumstantial problem. You don't lack peace because of something your mother did or something your father did or, or something that, you know, your grandmother did or something your, happened in your past. That's not why you lack peace. The reason you lack peace is because you have a theological problem, and the problem is the heart. The problem is you're at odds with God. A man without God will never know real peace. A country without God will never know real peace. Somebody say amen. The peace the world offers is a lie. But our God, and perhaps y'all can get glad about this, our God is a God of peace. He is a God of peace. And think about it. The Bible begins with peace in the garden, and the Bible ends with peace in eternity. Romans fourteen seventeen: the kingdom of heaven is, is, is righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. And can I share something with you at the risk of being overly simplistic? Listen, if you want peace with God and you want the peace of God, it's as simple as this. Do what the Bible says do. I'm waiting while you clap your hands and say amen. Do what the Bible says do. Psalm 119, 165 says this. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. Did y'all get that? Great peace have those who love your word, and nothing causes them to stumble. We talked about the nature of peace, the source of peace, the contrast of peace, and finally, the enjoyment of peace. Notice, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Our response to this promise of peace should be a trouble-free heart. Jesus says, peace I give to you. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus gives the peace, but that peace has to be received and applied. Did you get that? Jesus gives the peace, but that peace has to be received and applied, which also tells us that peace isn't something you pray for. Did you hear me? Peace is not something you pray for. You already have it. Look, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So you don't need to pray about peace. You need to enact the peace that God has already given you. 
You need to let the peace of God reign in your life. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about, do you? Let the peace of God reign in your life. I think of Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called into one body and be thankful. This word rule, write this down, it means to umpire. This word rule means to umpire, to arbitrate, to referee. Let the peace of God, it says, umpire in your hearts. You let it happen. Remember, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. I told you that's a commandment, not a suggestion. You Stop letting your heart be troubled. You let, y'all getting that? Let, allow the peace of God to reign in your heart. If you don't have peace, it's because you're not letting the peace of God reign in your heart. There's no point in praying. You probably never heard that before, have you? Never heard that. Don't pray for peace. Don't, no need to pray for peace. The Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but that's talking about his enemies attacking them, and, and they need prayer to cover them, the angels of the Lord to protect But we're talking about peace in your heart. The peace of God has already been given to you. You need to let it reign. Let it umpire. Huh? Let it, let it umpire. Let it referee. And what does an umpire do? Well, umpires keep the peace. He makes sure the game is played orderly. He makes sure the game is played smoothly and everybody follows the rules. Well, God wants to give us an internal umpire who will keep you at peace even when things seem to be out of control. If you believe it, clap your hands and say amen. Will you do that? You believe it? Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. That's what you do. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That's what you do. You allow the peace of God to umpire in your heart. And how do you let it umpire? Listen, I'm coming in for a landing. I'm coming down some altitude. How do you let it umpire? Write this down. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. God will keep you in perfect peace when you keep your mind on him. That's how you let the peace of God umpire. Y'all get that? That's how you let it umpire. You keep your mind on Jesus. I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. When you keep your mind on the Lord, you're letting the peace of God referee, umpire in your heart and soul, and that will bring peace to your life. But what happens is when things and trials come into your life, you start getting your eye on the trial and away from the word. Or when we get a trial in our lives, we stop coming to church and we start focusing on how we're going to fix that situation. When in fact, you need to come to church more and let God fix the situation. Let it rule. It doesn't say pray about it ruling. Y'all making me work hard. Let it rule. Let it rule. Let not your heart be troubled. You do that. God's already given you what you need to get that done. 
Remember I told you a long time ago, several weeks ago, I said God's never going to give you a command to do something that you cannot do. He never will. God's not going to set you up for failure. God sets you up for blessings. Come and write about it. But he ain't going to set you up to fail. He's never going to tell you to do something you can't do. So if he's telling you, let not your heart be troubled, you have the ability to let not your heart be troubled. If he tells you to let peace reign in your life, then you have the ability to let peace reign in your life. Let it umpire. That's your choice. And I hope that it's helping you. I hope that that your situation seems clearer when you leave here. I hope your circumstance seems lighter when you leave here and your burden seems lighter when you leave here because now you know what you need to do. Now you know what you need. I don't care what your situation is. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right, I don't. And I don't need to know. God's word isn't any less true because I don't know. The pastor doesn't know, oh, God's word is less true. That's not right. I don't know and don't need to know. God's word is true whether I know or I don't know. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.